Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. We are delighted to greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. May this worship open your hearts and minds to the presence of Christ in your life. Let us pray together our call to worship. Storm stilling Savior, you know our fearful anxiety and our weak faith. Roiling waves of uncertainty rock our lives, threatening to overwhelm us in this pandemic. Awaken, Lord, and come to our aid. Speak to us again your powerful word of peace. Calm and quiet us. Draw us close to you so we may be caught up into your net of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Even as we sail through troubled waters, pilot us toward hope and wholeness, and bring us at last to the safe harbor of your mercy and grace. Amen. but were afraid when they saw Jesus walking on the sea, our faith must be renewed day by day, hour by hour. Renew us with your Holy Spirit that we may trust you and that we may act in trust, even as Peter walked out to meet Christ on the water. Amen. 
Good morning. I brought a nightlight for my children's time this morning. Did you know that adults have nightlights too? I have a nightlight so that if I have to get up in the middle of the night, I don't walk into things because that's a great way to end up with bruises that um, don't feel good for the rest of the week. But I know a lot of children have nightlights. Sometimes children are afraid of the dark um, in the same way that adults sometimes are afraid of dark times. So we have night lights that just kind of reassure us that uh, we can still see things that we need to see even if we wake up and just to kind of take the darkness away. Sometimes people just are afraid of darkness and afraid of dark times. That's probably why Jesus said that he was the light of the world. He wanted us to know that whatever we go through, he goes through first. And he illumines the way. He shows us the way. Uh, it's also the reason why at the end of worship services, when we have worship here in the church, our acolyte carries the light into the world and we follow. We follow Christ, the light of the world. But another dimension of that is when we feel afraid, when we're in darkness or we feel kind of afraid and alone, Jesus wants us to know that he's with us that he doesn't want us to be afraid, and he wants us to know that we are never alone. So when you turn on your night lights, remember, Jesus is the light of the world, and he is here so that you will never feel alone. Thanks. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is found in the 37th chapter of Genesis, beginning with the first verse. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them to the report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? The man said, they have gone away. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. 
Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to their father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the 14th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 22nd verse. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. So this morning I'm going to tell you one of my more embarrassing stories. I am kind of the Bridget Jones of clergy. I can do some pretty awkward things and I've done so many that I figured that it was just one of the ways God blessed me and that I really should just take all of my most embarrassing moments and pair them with theological reflections and write a book about them. So I'm kind of in process of doing that. but. This morning you get to hear one of, my, one of my really awkward moments in life. I love to go to the movies. I usually go alone on my day off. And once I got to the theater and I bought my ticket and I found upon entering the, the theater that it was dark. 
uh, the previews had already started, and the preview that was playing at the moment was really dark, really dark. It took place in nighttime, and so I could just see shadowy figures who were having a conversation on the dark screen. And I had just come in from the sun lit outside, and and uh, I could hardly see anything in the theater. I just, it was so dark. I could hardly even see the, the, the lights that run down the aisles to help you find your seat. Well, I always sit in the same place in movie theaters. I go for the center section, the, the seat on the right aisle, halfway down. And so, since I couldn't see very well, it's kind of felt along the, along the seats of the center section and, and found about halfway through my favorite seat and I went to sit down and as soon as I did, I realized that that seat was already occupied. As soon as I realized that, uh, that I was about to sit in someone's lap, I bolted up and, and, and apologized profoundly. Usually, I mean, I hadn't sat down completely. The guy didn't need to be airlifted to the hospital or anything. But I apologized, and the man just said, it's okay, it's really dark in here. It's hard to see in the dark, no worries. Okay, so that was embarrassing. But not so embarrassing that I wanted the earth to open up and swallow me whole. But that moment arrived. That moment arrived about five seconds later. Just as I turned to find my way to another seat by feel, the preview on the screen changed to something that was taking place in broad daylight. And it illumined the entire theater. And as I turned to find another seat, to my horror, I saw that the man whose lap I had almost sat in and me were the only two people in the theater. There were literally 249 empty seats in the theater. I can't even remember what movie I saw. I just, oh, I went and sat in the very back of the theater and I got up before the credits, the credits came up so that the guy couldn't take a picture of me with his cell phone and post it on Facebook with some dire, beware of this woman warning. I made the mistake of telling the story to my parents and my father, who is a longtime tenor in his church choir, suggested that I tell this story in a sermon and suggested that the hymns we sing uh, should be open my eyes that I may see and guide my feet. So unfunny. Anyway, on to the text from Matthew and Genesis. Both are narratives in which people find themselves in places where they don't want to be. The gospel text finds Peter trying to walk on water like Jesus did, only to start sinking and then get reprimanded by Jesus for his lack of faith. Now, that would be pretty humiliating, truth be told. But Peter finds himself in humiliating and awkward situations all the time because he's always blurting things out without thinking first. He's always raising his hand and giving the wrong answer, speaking and then regretting what he has said. Our Old Testament text is the beginning of the Joseph story, which goes on for eight chapters. This particular text is a pivot point in the story of Joseph. Joseph has been the favored child of his father up until this point. His father 
had even given Jacob, his father Jacob had even given Joseph a, a coat of many colors, a special coat that signified his favored status, something that enrages his brothers who already find Joseph annoying because he has these grandiose dreams every single night that he retells every morning at breakfast. His brothers find him tiresome to say the least. Joseph also seems to be the one who does the least around the house. In today's text, he goes out to find his brothers who are pasturing the flocks while he apparently gets to decide if he wants to do anything at all. When he finally finds his brothers, they see an opportunity to get rid of him, first wanting to kill him, but then settling on throwing him into a pit and leaving him for dead. Joseph is rescued from the pit when his brothers realize that a change in plans will result in economic gain. They sell him to some traveling salesmen who sell him to other traveling salesmen, which leads Joseph to becoming a slave in Egypt. His brothers take his gorgeous, long-sleeved, multicolored robe, and they dip it in goat's blood to show their father. And they tell Jacob that Joseph was devoured by a fierce wild beast. DNA testing wasn't then what it is now, so Jacob accepts the story as documentary evidence that his son Joseph is dead. Purchased by an army officer named Potiphar, Joseph proves himself to be a good steward and soon finds himself in charge of the household. Potiphar's wife certainly likes him, and she makes advances which he declines, which upsets her and causes her to take revenge by accusing him of assaulting her. So Joseph then languishes in jail for two years until his ability to interpret dreams gains the attention of the Pharaoh. When his dream interpretations enable Pharaoh to make some prudent economic and political decisions, Pharaoh springs Joseph from jail and Joseph merits promotion after promotion after promotion until he finds himself as Secretary of Agriculture. Years later, there is a famine back at home, and that famine causes his brothers to journey to Egypt in search of food. Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. He's wearing a fancy uniform and speaking a language they don't speak, and, well, out of sight, out of mind. Joseph has some fun at their expense before telling them who he really is, and instead of some sort of cringeworthy Jerry Springer moment, they all just fall into each other's arms and weep. Throughout the Joseph story, a particular phrase is often repeated, and the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph always trusted that, although he repeatedly found himself where he didn't want to be. He didn't want to be in a pit. He didn't want to be at the mercy of slave traders. He didn't want to be in jail. He didn't want to be in a foreign land away from his father and his family. One theme of the Joseph story is that no matter who tried to change the trajectory of his life, his brothers, Potiphar's wife, no one can stop him from being where God wants him to be because that isn't circumstantial. When God wants to use Joseph, Joseph is where God needs him to be. The twists and turns along the way don't change that. Similarly, for Peter, sinking as he tries to walk on water, 
That wasn't a test. Jesus doesn't say, if you sink, you're done. You pull this off, and then I will make you the, the rock upon which my church is built. Peter does, and he says all kinds of things that are off base. And he even denies Jesus three times, but he still ends up being the rock upon which Jesus builds his church. When God wants to use Peter, Peter is where God needs him to be. The twists and turns along the way, don't change that. I wish I could undo my awkward scene at the movie theater, but that awkward moment and many, many others now just remind me that even though I sometimes find myself where I don't want to be, these moments don't change the trajectory of my life at all. My goal is to allow God to use me, to trust that God is in charge of my being where he needs me to be, when he needs me to be there, and the twists and turns along the way. Don't change that. Thanks be to God. Amen. with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. The third, the third day he, ascended, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. you do. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Mama would throw the live crawdad in a pan of boiling water. 
But one day I decided to make my own crawdad. And I threw it in a pot without the water, you see? And it was just like making popcorn. 